Dear Edward, the Information Office of the State Council issued a white paper on the practice of the One Country Two Systems policy in Hong Kong on June 10, 2014. It caused waves of public outcry immediately. The document redefines the relation between the central and the SAL government according to the wish of Beijing leaders. However, it is not what we understand from the basic law. The gap between the two is now beyond the tolerance of Beijing, especially when the chief executive of Hong Kong SAL might be returned by one man, one vote in 2017. So here it is, a lecture for Hong Kong people on the full and accurate understanding of the meaning of one country, two systems, bluntly delivered from Beijing. Because, as laid bare in the white paper, some people in Hong Kong have yet felt comfortable with the changes. Still, some are even confused or loopsided in their understanding of one country, two systems and the basic law. And the right path, according to Beijing, starts from the fundamental objectives of maintaining China's sovereignty, security and development interests. But wait, if we recall the controversy arise from the scrutinization of the legislative proposal to implement Article 23, there was heated dispute on the offense against national security. According to the National Security Bill, one would be incriminated by speech, not only by a concrete action taken, such as illegal import or possession of firearms. A person could be guilty by affiliation to a suspect and for not reporting a crime against national security. These draconic provisions would severely undermine the freedom of expression and turn everyone into an island. And these provisions could have been enacted and became part of our legal system if Hong Kong people had not marched on the street to protect our freedom and make our strong wish known. Legislation on national security in most countries is notorious for infringing rights and liberties. National security in the mainland is unsurprisingly more far-fetching. Hong Kong people of course, would not want to have the Chinese definition of national security imposed on Hong Kong. The executive branch might take policing action and prosecution in the straightest manner, and we always rely on the judiciary for justice. The White Paper asks judges of the courts at all levels and other members of the judiciary as members of the mainstay of Hong Kong administrators have on their shoulders the responsibility of correctly understanding and implementing the basic law of safeguarding the country's sovereignty, security and development interests. Layman immediately questions the threat to independence of the judiciary, and judges should not be required to take political instruction that would bias their judgment. Otherwise, we could not rely on the judges to protect our freedom of expression. The legal profession argues this point at the fundamental. Judges are not part of the mainstay of the Hong Kong administrators. The judiciary should be independent from the executive branch, or they could not judge with a fair hand when the government is one of the parties involved in the court case. In short, judges should not be used to achieve the political end of suppressing the opposition when the latter is brought to court by the executive branch. The White Paper takes note of the two systems as well to tell the difference between the mainland and the Hong Kong system. However, the system for Hong Kong is reduced to sheer economic. 
Hong Kong is allowed to keep going with capitalism in a country that proclaims to have socialism as a national ideology. But in face of the local demand for social justice to bridge the huge gap of wealth disparity, and the campaign for universal retirement plan and standard working hours to save labour from exploitation, capitalism for Hong Kong, as part of the package of no changes for 50 years, is nothing but a mockery. Most Hong Kong people would like to see more services and assistance for the underprivileged, equal opportunities to education for the grassroots, better social security plans to help the elderly. Yes, we want social democracy, not the jungle law in the inhumane competition of capitalism, where the rich and the people in power devolve the poor and the weak. We want to get rid of the social injustice in the two systems and change for better, but Beijing stands firm on this guarantee. However, on the political side, we are barred from getting more progress in democratization, but Beijing would not honor this promise. Heavyweight politicians, including those from the pro-establishment camp, agree that Hong Kong would be ungovernable without an election to give proper mandate to the government. The conflict on the development of the Northeast New Territories is a perfect example. As usual, the administration sees no need to listen to people, not even grievances from villagers who would be directly affected by the project, as it has the power provided by law and by the system to push the project through. But support from the public has to be hard-earned with tedious consultation and pair of listening ears. The Secretary of Development Bureau chooses to close his eyes to challenges on his conflict of interest. Eventually, anger of the young ones burst. Hundreds of young ones tried to break into the Legislative Council complex to stop the funding approval for the project. Security guards were injured, and young ones were arrested. But still, the official made no effort to pacify the public because it doesn't have to. When no election is waiting for the high official at the end of the term, last Friday, anger escalated to violence. Hong Kong pays the price for this arrogant and corrupted administration. The young generation runs out of patience for rational debate to resolve conflict, because reasoning does not work with this government. But still, I hold that peaceful and non-violent action is most powerful. While the young ones confront the police, more than 1,000 people joined the seven days walkathon for democracy. We walked through avenues and narrow streets to call for participation in the civil referendum starting June 20th. The turnout rate of the referendum will tell one simple message to both Beijing and Hong Kong government: that is, we care for Hong Kong. More than half a million cast their vote online already. Don't miss this opportunity to speak up for Hong Kong. Best, Sid.